In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For good or ill, college football is back. If you happen to be a follower of Baylor, or TCU, or Rice, or the University of Houston, you are very, very happy this morning. If you happen to University of Texas, Father Bates, you aren't very happy. Uh, What they used to say, I grew up in Waco, and the saying around Waco in regard to Baylor, year after year after year, was, wait till next year. Well, finally, maybe next year has arrived, and now Texas is saying, wait till next year. But we think, I think we need just one joke, one football joke to begin the season, okay? We won't do this every week, but just one football joke. It seems this guy um, was dating this lovely young lady, and he really, really liked her, and he loved football. And she didn't know anything about football. And he invited her to this big game, and he was really, really excited. It was just a, you know, just a super game, and, and so they went, and, and all the hoop de la and all of this, and the game started. And so after a while, he leaned over, and he said to her, well, what do you think? And she said, well, I'm, I'm kind of confused. He said, why? She said, well, don't you remember a little while ago, this guy came out, on, he had a sort of a black and white striped shirt on, and he was standing there in the middle of the field, and, and two or three players from each side came out, and, and he held out his palm, and he had a quarter sitting in it, and then he flipped this quarter up into the air, and it hit the ground, and they all looked down, and then the game started. And ever since, after the game started, all anybody is yelling is, get the quarter back. Get the quarter back. (laughs) Oh, I love it when people catch them, uh, uh, catch the quarter. Well, now, you might be wondering how I can go from that into the sermon. Well, if that young man and that young lady ever had another date, it might have been a miracle. And it just so happens that miracles are the subject of the sermon. The four Gospels. The four Gospels record 37 miracles performed by Jesus. And every one of these miracles reminds us that the way things are right now are not the way things will always be. To be sure, there's a great deal of comfort to be had from watching Jesus um, still the storm or watching him heal the sick or raise the dead. Indeed, As we read or hear about these miracles in the New Testament, Jesus is living proof that God's will for us is not chaos, but wholeness. And every miracle we read or hear about proclaims that truth. But the problem with miracles is that it's hard to hear about one or to witness one without wanting one of our own. 
I bet you everybody here, every one of us could use a miracle. I bet you every one of us knows someone who is really sick or in great need or whatever that could use a miracle. But the problem with miracles on one level is that they are hard to come by. And not everybody who prays for one gets one. And sometimes there are those that all of a sudden they get a miracle and they get it without even asking for it. And so if you remember in our gospel reading for this morning, there is that Gentile woman and she's begging Jesus to heal her daughter. And her response to him is such that Jesus is so impressed that he sends her on her way, even though she's a Gentile, he sends her on her way with these words, go your way, your daughter has been made whole. And then we have those fellows who, who brought the deaf and deaf, dumb man to Jesus and, and Jesus, Jesus simply says, be opened and, and he prays and immediately this man's ears and were opened and his tongue was released. And then towards the end of the gospel, you had people wanting to just simply tell everybody that Jesus is a miracle worker and, and he is dissuading people to do that because he doesn't want to be known as simply a miracle worker. Well, to be sure, most people don't get miracles like you hear about in the gospel reading for today. And unfortunately, and there are religious people who, who feel this way and who believe this way, and, it, and I think it's kind of the meanest thing that religious people can do is if there's a person in need, if there's a person who wants a miracle, uh, this super religious person blames it on a lack of faith. You might get one a miracle. You might get one if you had more faith. Some of you have lived in Houston a long time, and this goes back, oh, probably 45, 44, 45 years ago. Maybe you remember hearing about this, but um, it seems that at St. Luke's Episcopal Hospital, 44, 45 years ago, uh, a number of patients began to complain that perfect strangers were coming into their room, into their hospital room, and joining hands around their bed and praying for this person for an increase in their faith, a faith that was clearly lacking. Because if they had had a lot of faith, they wouldn't be sick. And it turned out that a local church was doing this as part of their uh, hospital ministry, healing ministry, although it didn't have a very positive effect um, as those people who were already sick got a strong dose of guilt and shame to go along with whatever else they were dealing with. I'm sure those church people were well-intentioned, but I, but I think they'd gotten mixed up in regard to what causes miracles. They thought faith. And of course, the more faith you have, is what makes miracles happen. 
And that line of thought regarding miracles reminds me of that strength test that sometimes you see at a county fair. Maybe you've seen this before, uh, but there's that tall thing and the, the red lines up at the top with the bell up there. And it was all a matter of how hard you'd get that sledgehammer and how hard you could hit that pad with the sledgehammer, sending that metal washer up towards the gong. Remember that? Any of you ever tried that? Back when I was a teenager and had dates with young ladies and went to the McLennan County Fair, I was always trying to impress them with how strong, and I never could make the gong ring, but that's another whole story. But if you were really strong, you could make that bell ring and win the prize. And if not, well, good luck, better luck next time. Try again. In other words, there are those who think that miracles are something that can be controlled. And if you're sick, if you're getting sicker, it's got to be your own fault. So you have to try harder. You have to pump up your faith and, and ring that bell. You have to impress God with the power of your belief and claim your miracle as a reward. Well, you know, and I know, that it just doesn't work that way. And I think that's just one more pitiful example of our efforts to work things around so that we seem to be in charge of our lives. That we seem to be in charge of our lives instead of owning up to the truth. To the truth that every single breath we take is a gift from God. Is a miracle from God. Sometimes we sometimes think we, we don't have any miracles or we don't get any miracles well stop sometime as you take a breath and realize that taking that breath is a miracle from God so faith by itself doesn't work miracles only God does God works miracles and and that's not just somatics it boils down to a difference in believing, in believing that our lives are in our own hands, or believing that our lives are in God's hands. A portion of that wonderful passage from Isaiah that you just heard, be strong. Do not fear. God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless will sping, sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of waters. 
Of course, the key to that passage is simply God will come and God will save you. Amen.